Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hey friends, we want to uh, welcome you to a study on 1 Peter. Uh, each week we will come together and as a supplement to what we're doing in our weekend services, we'll take the opportunity to dive deeper into this letter and explore some of the things that, that Peter teaches us about being a follower of Christ in an uncertain time. Uh, Mark has been using the word hope and, and it's really reminded me, this letter has reminded me of how sometimes when we're driving through fog, we can't see clearly what is ahead. But we can get our bearings from the, the lines on the road or maybe some lights around us and, and understand kind of how to stay on the road and how to keep driving forward. Well, the sermon series on hope as well as this study are intended to do just that for you. I've really focused this particular study around the theme of being an exile. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that from chapter one. But Peter is talking to a group of people who are spread out but they're in this in-between uncertain time. They've decided to follow Jesus. They know what's in their past. But they, they also are looking ahead to the future when Jesus is going to come back and return. But right now, they're in this in-between moment. They're, they're driving in this uncertain time, this fog. And, and Peter is going to teach them how to respond in this uncertain time, how to live in this uncertain time. And so I want to invite you to join us over these next seven weeks as we go along on this study. Today we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, and we'll focus in on this theme of identity, the identity of these believers as they struggle in this particular season of life. Well, Peter opens up with an introduction, as most letters in the ancient world would open. He opens up in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, saying, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ... Notice how he is giving them his identity. I am someone who is sent on behalf of Jesus. And then he says, to, the, to, to those who are the elect, the elect exiles of the dispersion. And we're going to come back to that particular phrase because that particular phrase helps us identify this audience and how Peter sees them and how he wants them to see themselves. And then he mentions these different provinces where they were from in modern-day Turkey. He says they're in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience of Christ and for the sprinkling of, of blood, Peter says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Well, this seems like just an ordinary introduction, and yet in many ways, even here in these opening few verses, Peter is trying to give them some guardrails, some, some lines in the fog to where they can get their bearing, where they can see through where they're going and who they are in the present. In fact, what I'd like to do today is as I introduce this letter and as we continue to unpack it, uh, give us three attributes that I think Peter gives us that help frame up our identity, or in other words, help us orient through the fog and figure out how it is we can come out the other side. Here's the three attributes. I think, number one, Peter wants us to have a clearer picture of him. Uh, and by him, I mean God. And notice in this introduction, we have God the Father mentioned, we have Jesus mentioned, and we have the Holy Spirit mentioned. Uh, Peter wants us to have a clearer picture of him. But secondly, Peter wants us to have a clear picture of our history, who we are in the past. And by doing so, he helps frame up our identity, who we are in the present. 
And then third, he wants us to have a clear picture of the hope that we are living for, the hope that we're striving for. So notice these three elements, him, history, and hope. Ultimately, that's going to lead us to the question, so how should we live in the present? And the answer to that we're going to talk about next week is the theme of holiness. Uh, Michael DeFazio mentioned that this last week in the sermon. And so we want to focus on these four, ultimately four characteristics of the letter of 1 Peter. The focus on God, Him. The focus on the history that we have as believers in Him, followers of Him. The focus we have on the hope in Him of where we're going. And ultimately, the holiness that we're called to live right now as we live in this disorienting time. Well, I want to focus first on this theme of Him. Uh, Peter opens up in verse 2, and he says, We are all called according to this foreknowledge of God the Father, this sanctification of the Spirit. We're called for obedience to Christ by the sprinkling of His blood. And over and over again, in this letter, you can trace the theme of Peter reminding the people of who God is. God is the God of mercy. God is the God who's in control. Over and over again, Peter's going to say, by the will of God, according to his will, according to his foreknowledge, according to the one who chose, God is in control. Even when times are disorienting, when times are difficult, God is in control. Notice the Holy Spirit is still at work according to the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who is continuing to make us holy. That word there is from the root word holiness that we'll talk about next week. So the Holy Spirit is still at work in us, and and we're still called to obedience to Jesus. He, after all, in our past, in our history, sprinkled us by His blood forgiving us. So we recognize throughout this letter that Peter again and again is going to call us to have a clearer picture of who God is. And I want us to know that even in uncertain times, for this audience, it was times of suffering, times of hardship. Over and over again, Peter is going to say, and yet God is faithful. God is in control. He is sovereign. The Holy Spirit is still with you. The Holy Spirit is still in control. Jesus suffered with you. He suffers with you. And he still is pointing you forward to the resurrection that he has for you. So we want to gain our orientation first and foremost by looking to him. Secondly, Peter in this letter is going to point to our history. He's going to point back. I've noticed with our our new small group we have here at church that as we introduce one another, one of the ways we come to know each other more deeply is by telling our stories. And and almost immediately, almost innately, what we do when we ask someone um, to tell us about themselves is they begin to tell us their history. History shapes our identity. The history that we tell, the history that we have shapes our identity in the present. This is true for Peter and his audience as well. Small little hints of this, even in these opening verses, we are sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. These are hints of our history and what is true of us. In fact, throughout this letter, scholars mentioned that there are 25 echoes, allusions, and quotations from the Old Testament, and there are 30 quotations from the Gospels. Peter packed this letter more than almost any other letter in the New Testament with Old Testament images, with Old Testament quotations, and he packed it with Gospel references. If you could imagine, this is Peter he is going from memory talking about these, these teachings that Jesus had. He is retelling the history that we have and we share 
as followers of Jesus. Well, even in this introduction, we have this opening phrase that seems a little odd to us. Uh, Peter calls them the elect exiles of the dispersion. Now, this is kind of an odd phrase, but a couple things that we want to point out. This really does come from their story, their shared story. But it's not just Israel's story now. Peter in the book of Acts recognizes that those who are Gentiles who come to Jesus, they also come to be a part of God's chosen people. This is significant because Peter is the one who initially unlocked this door for Cornelius in the book of Acts. And here, as he looks out to this region, as he sends this letter on what is likely a circular route to these different provinces, he is calling them by many of the same names and telling them many of the same stories that were the stories of Israel. And now the Gentiles are invited to be a part of those stories and that lineage of faith as well. So this is significant that he uses these phrases right here from the beginning. You are the chosen, the elect. You are those people that God calls out of Egypt and says, I'm choosing to use you. They didn't do anything to deserve it, but God said, I chose you by his grace. And there's echoes of this story of freedom and forgiveness and wandering even in the wilderness. Remember what I said about driving through the fog? It can be disorienting. Well, that was true in Israel's history as well. As God chose them and called them out of Egypt, he called them toward a promised land. But we know that the story, there's an in-between time when they were very disoriented at times. Sometimes they grumbled and sometimes they suffered and their faith was tested. And that image, that story is a shared story that we will have in this letter as well. Well, another word that we see Peter use is the word exile. And this reminds those who know Israel's history of a time where they had been disobedient. They had been unfaithful and God had called judgment on them. And the Assyrians and the Babylons came 722 and 586 BC and Israel was displaced. They were taken out of their homeland and they were sent out into exile. Well, throughout this letter, Paul, uh, Peter is going to use this same metaphor to describe us. He's going to use the same metaphor of exile. We're displaced. We're, we're spread out. In fact, he, he writes to these five different provinces, and we're not sure if he's ever even visited them. But he's going to call them sojourners. They're strangers in a strange land, exiles. And he's going to talk about being from Babylon. All of these are echoes of the history that Israel shares, this history of struggling with identity when you're not in your homeland. This history that they share of struggling with temptation and compromise when you're not in your homeland. Over and over again, we're going to see that part of the identity that Peter wants us to have established so that we can gain our bearings is that we are not home. We are in between. God has rescued us. He has redeemed us. He has called us out of slavery. And yet he has called us to a promised land in the future. And in this in-between journey as sojourners and as exiles, we're going to be tempted to compromise. We're going to struggle with our identity, to, to have a clear sense of identity as we see the world around us, Babylon around us. We're going to struggle with, at times, suffering as we're rejected and seen as, as foreign and strange. So this story of exile becomes their story and becomes our story. 
And then the third word that, that Paul or Peter uses there is that of dispersion. And Peter says, you're dispersed, you're spread out. And I love this metaphor for the church. Right now, more than perhaps any other time, we have recognized how broad the church is when it comes to how it covers the entire world. And yet we all come together as one in worship. We are spread out. We are dispersed. But the Jewish people were dispersed throughout the Greco-Roman world, the Mediterranean world. And they there in that time, just like exile, struggled again with identity and struggled again with faithfulness. And so Peter here over and over again is going to remind us that's our story as well. But he's going to call us to remain steadfast in our identity. And one of the ways he's going to do that is by pointing us to the hope that we share as well. Over and over again, Peter's going to point us toward the hope that we share in Christ. I've heard someone uh, define hope as a vision of a better tomorrow. In fact, um, perhaps we can almost envision this, that a vision for a better tomorrow would be having this whole COVID crisis over and we all go back to work. We all come back to church. And some of us are hoping for that day. But because we hope for that vision of a better tomorrow, it changes the way we live today. Uh, some of us have quarantined. Uh, we wear masks, perhaps when we go out into public. We wash our hands, perhaps a little bit more. Our hope, our vision for a better tomorrow has caused us to change some of our typical behaviors that we have today. This is true for what Peter is calling the believers to. As they look toward a better tomorrow, a, a life with God in a new creation, as they look forward to this salvation that will be ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, this hope should cause them to transform how they live today. So I, I want to ask you uh, this week, what are you hoping for? We have cultural hopes. Uh, as a culture, sometimes we hope for uh, the pursuit of happiness, and it causes us to transform how we live today. As an individual, sometimes we hope for relationships, or we hope for a career, or maybe the perfect HGTV house. Uh, we hope for a certain fitness level, and it transforms how we live today. What are you hoping for tomorrow that transforms how you live today? You see, for Peter, he casts this vision of this living hope that we have in Jesus this living hope that is going to continually echo throughout this letter and remind us that we are not there yet, but that it really should change how we live in the present. That ultimately is going to lead us to our conversation of holiness, that hope and Him and our history should bring us to a place where we live our lives differently in the place where we currently live. And so we'll talk about that next week. What I want to do right now is I want to look at verses 3 through 12 with you and, and pull out these three orienting principles as we observe them in these verses. So remember the principles. Him, we look to vision of who God is. History, who are we? And what hope do we have? Peter's going to bring out each of those in these next few verses. Notice what Peter says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Notice, Him, as well as history. Who God is, according to His mercy, we have been born again. He has, been called us, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, to an inheritance. So notice, to a living hope, like the resurrection of Jesus, and to an inheritance, People who are in exile typically didn't get an inheritance in the land. 
to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. Notice the elements of hope that are there. We have salvation. We have language of inheritance. We have language of heaven that is there. We live in this disorienting time, not for a a hope that is temporary, not just a hope that we have created, our culture has created, but because of who he is and because of the history we have in him, we have this hope that is kept in heaven for us. Paul says, or Peter says, in this we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. And, and this phrase is, is one of those that we have to see in perspective of eternity, don't we? Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, or as the NIV translates it, all kinds of trials. We need this perspective as we live in this disorienting world. Because there are all kinds of trials around us, and and there's all kinds of suffering around us, and there's all kinds of grief around us, and it can all be so discouraging, and it can all be so difficult. But Peter again and again says, look to him. Look to your history of who you are and who God has declared you. And look over and over again to the hope that we share together. And allow that to transform how you live in this moment. This all reminds me of a story the other day. My six-year-old daughter and I were riding bikes around the neighborhood. We'd probably, we've probably done this a hundred times over the last month. She just learned how to ride her bike. And it's been difficult for her uh, each time we go around uh, to go around another lap, but to come up the last hill to get to home. And just yesterday, we were riding, and as she was coming up that last hill to come back to the house, her little legs were getting tired on her little uh, Tinkerbell bike, and she was saying, Dad, I don't think I can make it. I don't think I can make it. But then she remembered two family phrases that we have. Um, One of them is, is the phrase, Dalrymples can do hard things. Now, I know that's probably super cheesy, but we we say that at times when things are difficult. Dalrymples can do hard things. And so she said that phrase, Dalrymples can do hard things, right, Dad? And she got kind of that extra burst of energy. Um, That, by the way, is a part of our identity as a family. It reminds me, and it reminded me when she said it, of this letter. Those who follow Jesus, those who know God, can do hard things. And she reminded me that when she got home, she was going to get a drink, and she was going to relax, and it was going to be great. And she was envisioning that day that she was going to get home. Now, it was only a block away, but it seemed like forever. I told her, hey, it's only just past that stop sign, but it seemed forever for her. But she, Dowerpools can do hard things, and she had this vision of being able to make it home. And of course, she did on that bike, and I know it's such a simple, childlike metaphor, but this is what Peter reminds us. He reminds us as, as children of God the Father that God is faithful and he has been faithful. That's who he is. And if we focus on him, we see him as faithful. And we see what he's done for us over and over again through our history. This history that shapes our character and shapes our identity. And it reminds us of that identity and who we are. That as followers of Jesus, we are called to do hard things. But he also points forward to the hope that we have. And he says, even though right now we face trials of various kinds, all kinds of trials, it will be far outweighed by the reward, the inheritance that we have in him. So our identity is shaped by these principles. And as we come back together, we will focus on the rest of chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2 and talk about the theme of holiness. How then, as people who have an identity in Christ, are, are 
uh, our history in him, our hope in him, how then shall we live in this world that Peter calls Babylon or that Peter says we are exiles and strangers in? I hope that you join us next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.